when I popped off Riding the cool with the top off I cannot fuck with no knockoff I'm in the stool like a pop star Damn it, I feel like an outlaw You wanna talk with a bow, dog? I'm in the room with the mouth loss I'm in the room with the mouth loss Let me deliver the home run Yo, welcome to another episode of Big Facts Podcast. It's your host, Marcus Williams. Another weekend of college football in the books. And honestly, this is one of those few weeks where I think we learned a lot. You know, it's um, usually we always have a top four, five, six teams that we think, okay, like these are the teams that can make the playoff. But I think last week showed us that Alabama and Georgia are the clear top one and two teams, however you want to put them with, whether you want to put Alabama one, Georgia two, or Georgia one and Alabama two. I think so far we've seen that these two teams are the most complete teams in college football and they're the most dominant. And it's kind of just everybody else after that on who we think will make the playoffs because at this point what their resume has shown and what they've done on the field and what we've seen them do in recent past these are the two best teams in college football right now Alabama just came out with a dominant win over Ole Miss you know that was kind of the Nick Saban um you know Lane Kiffin game where you know people really thought that Ole Miss had a chance you know Matt Corral the quarterback for Ole Miss, he was one of the uh, Heisman contenders coming into the week. And to be honest, you know, Ole Miss, they came out swinging at first and, you know, they were able to complete some uh, some fourth downs, but they just were never able to get into the end zone after going for it on fourth down so much in the beginning of the game. They never really set up for field goals. And, you know, lo and behold, they got down by 20 plus points and, Alabama just kind of rolled through after that with Georgia facing Arkansas, the number eight team last week, a dominant 37 to nothing win at home. And it was just never close since, (laughs) since the first snaps, Georgia's defense has only allowed one touchdown in five games this season. And they only average give up four points a game. It's just one of those defenses that you have not seen a defense this dominant in college football in a long time. Their offense, even without starting quarterback JT Daniels, were still able to put up points on the board. They, you know, it's it's one of those teams where you think, okay, well, maybe they haven't been challenged enough. But at the same time, an Arkansas team that was just came off a top 10 win against Texas A&M last weekend. And now this weekend you see, you know, they're facing a Georgia team that they get pushed up 10 spots in the polls, number eight after they were 18th and they just were dominated. There was no aspect in the game where you felt like Arkansas had a chance after the first quarter. And this is with Stetson Bennett, Bennett, Georgia's backup quarterback who's played a lot of games, but this is him starting. This is him only throwing for 73 yards. Like, he, it was just all about the run game, defense, and special teams, and they they took it to Arkansas. And after that performance, I feel like the nation knows that these two teams are the best, 
and from three to wherever, it's just kind of the rest. There's no, I don't think anyone believes that Ohio State is as close as, you know, preseason would have thought. I don't think anyone thinks Oklahoma is as close to these teams as people thought in the preseason, you know, and I think this is one of those times where in a BCS system, we would know who would probably be in those games, even if one of they meet in the SEC championship and one of them loses. I feel like it's kind of hard with the resume and what they've shown so far this season. If they kept up the trend, it would be hard to not keep those teams as the top two teams, especially with most other teams already having a loss or they just haven't looked as good throughout the season as of yet. But I think that's just one of the biggest takeaways of this of last weekend. And it'll be interesting to see how things develop more once we get closer and closer to the conference championship week, as long as these teams, you know, keep on running the table. And if one of them loses, then, you know, maybe we have a debate on, okay, well, who's the best of the rest? But if one of these teams loses, then we'll definitely have a clear cut of this is the number one team in college football. Now, with that being said, we did have a few, quite a few top 25 upsets this week. Probably the the biggest one of all is Oregon losing on the road to Stanford, thirty one to twenty four in overtime. And honestly, the, the the Cardinal had them beat in the first in the first half. It was seventeen to seven, and you looking at Stanford, the defense that they were able to play, and not letting their court the quarterback from Oregon, Anthony Brown. It was they made it difficult for him to complete passes and you know it's it sounds you know basic but that's essentially what's happened is Anthony Brown isn't one of the premier quarterbacks in terms of just completion percentage but what he does do is he's able to make plays with his legs and that is something that you know even that he was limited on even though he had two touchdowns you know limited to 2.9 yards a carry and his completion percentage was close to 50%, you know, being 14 of 26. And he didn't throw for a touchdown the first time in Pac-12 play that he hasn't thrown for a touchdown this season and the second time overall this season. Though the first time was against Stony Brook. So, uh, you know, you don't put too much emphasis on that. But the fact that they were able to contain him, and even though Oregon was able to come back in the second half, really through the ground game, they had over 200 yards rushing. I think you have to give props to Stanford to being up 17-7. to Then they give up 17 unanswered points in the second half, but they were able to, on the last play of regulation, score a touchdown in order to send it into overtime. And then from there, they scored a touchdown, and they were able to essentially hold off Oregon from getting into the end zone. Oregon had, I want to believe it was about a fourth and 11 play and they weren't able to get, you know, convert. 
And Stanford was able to scratch out a win and honestly be in the driver's seat in the Pac-12 North behind Oregon State, who's the only undefeated Pac-12 North team as of yet. So this Pac-12 race has been... It's interesting because you want to say that, okay, well, Oregon is definitely the clear-cut best team. And you look at resume, and they've beaten Ohio State. And that's kind of, you know, the the best team that they've beaten so far. Fresno State was a, a better look until their loss, which we'll talk about later on. But going through their schedule, they'll be favored in every single game. So it'll be – we'll see how Oregon bounces back, and I think that, you know, they can still – they still control their own destiny because they have the Civil War rivalry with Oregon State at the end of the season. So as long as they take care of business and then win that game, they'll be fine. But this does put cloud in their chances of making a – playoff just because of the fact that okay they do have the non-conference win over Ohio State which is huge but losing the game to Stanford you would kind of say okay well maybe that game against Ohio State just because it is Ohio State I could see in an instance with style points and how they win going forward where some people might say, okay, well, Ohio State looks like the better team at the end of the season, even though they weren't at the beginning of the season when they played Oregon at home. You know, these just kind of the, the politics of college football and the playoff committee that you would have to look into. So I think Oregon has a test to not only win, but, you know, kind of win convincingly to where, they could say, okay, well, that Stanford game was a fluke, and it just gives them a better chance at making the playoff as a one-loss Pac-12 champion. Now we can go to the next top 25 loss, the Florida Gators loss to Kentucky, which this one really hurt my heart. And honestly, I had a really bad weekend after this loss. But <laughs> the, the Wildcats were able to beat Kentucky at home, um, beat Florida at home, excuse me. And Florida actually bested Kentucky in every statistical category other than penalties. And that's the thing that really hurt the Gators. 15 penalties for 115 yards. Seems like every time a good play happened, there was always a penalty that came with it or they penalized themselves to where they were in bad situations and they were never able to get the ball rolling after leading 10 to seven at halftime. And it's just one of those things where you have to look at the team and it's like, were y'all prepared to play on the road? Were you prepared to play in this game? Did you feel like they prepared like they should have, you know, say when they played Alabama or Garrett to play Georgia, like were they invested against the Wildcats as they normally should be? And I think that's a, a, a solid question for the game because defensively you hold the wildcat quarterback, Will Levis. He, he has 87 yards passing. Like, you know, it, when you're able to hold a guy to under 50% pass, 
passing. He was 7 of 17, 87 yards. He had the one touchdown to Wandale Robinson for 46 yards. But other than that, you know, they they held him. And then the run game, running back Chris Rodriguez, who's one of the leading rushers in the SEC, you know, he had 99 yards and a touchdown on 19 carries. But the Gators' defense really held up their end of the bargain. And I think this just has to go back to – you know, special teams and the offense were really the they were they were key in and not in Florida not winning this football game. And I think now, you know, we talked about okay, well, Florida played so well and they almost beat Alabama. But now you have to you have to still win the games you're supposed to win. And this is just a game that Florida dropped. And because of that, they are definitely out the playoff race at this point and out the SEC race unless they're able to run the table and they need some help by Kentucky losing three SEC games and Georgia losing two. And that's going to be big for the Gators. And now you have to think, okay, well, because of the aspirations that they had after the Alabama loss – are they able to still play up to the same standard that they're capable of playing for the rest of the season, knowing that a lot of the goals that they had aren't going to be there or they probably won't. And I think that would be key for the Gators and Dan Mullen to see how they can motivate their team for the rest of the season to either finish off 10 and two or nine and three, if they lose to Georgia and try and finish out the season strong with at least 10 wins after after the bowl game. And I think that's just – Dan Mullen has always had the Gators in position to do big things. And I know going to the SEC championship was a big thing. You know, played the best of any team played against Alabama last season. But playing the best against an opponent and actually beating an opponent – that, you know, you're not predicted to beat. It's just something that Dan Mullen has to get over the hump of, of okay, like, I can beat the Alabamas, I can beat the Georgias. You know, we had, they had to win against Georgia last season, but for the most part, Florida has not been a contender against the Alabamas and the Georgias. And that's where Florida wants to get to. So can Dan Mullen be that guy to get over the hump? That remains to be seen, but we will see what happens in the future. Next, top 25 upset, Mississippi State over Texas A&M. And I think Texas A&M, since losing their quarterback, Haynes King, in week two against Colorado, I just don't see Texas A&M. They're not the same team. Offensively, they just can't get the ball rolling like they usually do. I think their defense has kind of faltered a little little bit because of that. And, you know, good win for Mississippi State, though, because Mississippi State needed it. You know, and now they are 3-2, and and I think Mississippi State needed that win in terms of being bowl eligible because – you know, their next game is they have a bye week this week, and then they have Alabama at home. But winnable games for them is you can see them winning against Vanderbilt. You can see them winning against Tennessee State. 
And now they just have to win one of these toss-up games, whether it's against Kentucky or Auburn or Arkansas or Ole Miss. It has to be one of those games in order to get bowl eligible. And I think Mike Leach needs that for his team going forward. Texas A&M, on the other hand, this is a really big swing game for both teams. But Texas A&M is the aspirations that they had of challenging Alabama and You know, this weekend, October 9th, was one of the big, was supposed to be a big marquee game heading into the preseason. Well, now you have number one Alabama heading to College Station, and Texas A&M is unranked. And looking at their schedule, they they need to win these toss-up games in order just to be bowl eligible. You know, they have, after the Alabama game, they have Missouri, on the road, they have South Carolina at home. Then they have Auburn at home. They travel to Ole Miss. They have Prairie View. And then they travel to LSU to end the season. They have to win both those games after the Alabama game with Missouri and South Carolina. I think those are a need. If they can win those two games, and you know, I think the Prairie View game is a, you know, I don't, no game is an automatic win, but I'm pretty sure they'll win that one. And to be six and six, you want to at least have something to play for at the end of the season. I know that their aspirations were much higher than that, and they wanted to be able to take over Alabama and the SEC West. But we all know that's not happening this season. And I think that if they were to have a season where they don't even make a bowl game, after going 11-1 or 10-1 last season, I think it just really hurts the program as in, okay, you went from one of the highest of highs and thought about, of okay, well, this could have potentially been a playoff team to now it's like, okay, you go from going from there to not making a bowl game. And that could really affect the program and, you know, Jimbo Fisher is definitely a top five coach in, in college, but you have to believe that he can turn it around in some way, shape, or form to at least have the team playing for something at the end of the season and hopefully just have some sort of, you know, turnaround to where you can say, okay, well, we can have something to sell for next season. And, you know, they probably will. If Haynes King comes back, I think that he was supposed to be out for six to eight weeks. So he could come back by season's end and maybe make something, you know, up for Texas A&M season. But right now it's, it's, it's not looking too good for the Aggies. Now back in the Pac-12, Arizona State beating UCLA – And now Arizona State controls the Pac-12 South. You know, I think Arizona State, they had all the, you know, scandal situation with, you know, recruits coming on campus during COVID and all this other stuff. But Herm Edwards is able to get the team to leading the Pac-12 South. 2-0 record right now. They're one above Utah, who's also undefeated, but they're only 1-0 at this point. Arizona State, at this point, you know, they they control their own destiny. Their only loss was at 
BYU, and honestly, like that game, they could have won that game, and honestly, they should have won that game. But the the turnovers that they had, just the missed momentum plays, they just weren't able to put it together uh, in Provo. So now you got to think, what can they do? Can they be a team that maybe runs the table, or maybe they just lose one? game and they're able to still make the Pac-12 championship, can they contend against Oregon? And I think that'll be a big boost for Herm Edwards and his program if they're able to make the Pac-12 championship and not only make it, but win it when not many people after all the offseason issues, not many people had them as a team that they thought could overcome those issues. Like, couldn't they overcome the media? Could they overcome all the outside noise in order to win football games and, you know, make this the best season that Herm Edwards has had with the Sun Devils. I think if they, you know, their next game is against Stanford at home. I think if they can pull that game out and then the next week at Utah, I feel like it would be hard not to have them in the Pac-12 championship at that point just because, okay, you beat – a Stanford team just coming off a win against Oregon, and then you come back the next week and you beat Utah, who is at this point the best team contending with you in the Pac-12 South after you've already beaten UCLA. So even if they were to lose, you know, one more game, they still they're still in the driver's seat to win a Pac-12 championship. And I think that would be a huge boost for Herm Edwards and his program. I think the game with UCLA, they were able to hold UCLA scoreless in the second half. And I think that's big because they were able to, honestly, they just hungered down. And, you know, one of the key things is they held UCLA to a lot of field goals instead of touchdowns in that second quarter. And then they were able to get momentum in the second half and really just, you know, they out, they just outplayed them. You know, you, you, you score, you have 18 unanswered points in the second half. And quarterback Jaden Daniels, he, he played superb running and passing. And I think UCLA, I mean, they had the running game going. They ran for over 200 yards, and both teams really, yards-wise, they were so comparable. But Arizona State, I think, just made the bigger plays when they needed to, and that was just kind of the keys to the game. Now, last but not least in the top 25, Fresno State losing to Hawaii. And I think this kind of hurts Oregon's resume because everybody thought, okay, well, Fresno State is one of the best teams in the group of five that can challenge Power Five opponents as they did with Ohio State and as they did with um, Oregon. And so, you know, oh, now Ohio State, um, <laughs> UCLA, beating UCLA and then challenging <laughs> Oregon. So, though that win for Hawaii is good because, okay, well, now Hawaii has 
you know, a good win on their resume, a good conference win. But for Oregon, it's like, okay, well, now it's just one less ranked team that you've beaten on your resume. And maybe Fresno State, you know, they can run the table, be 10-2, and two, and still be a ranked team. But, you know, now it's just in contention that, okay, well, maybe that's not it. And it also actually hurts UCLA because if UCLA, you lose to a technically an unranked team in Fresno State at the end of the season, you know, what does that do to your resume? Though they're not – at this point, they're not challenging for a playoff spot, but still it's just, you know – a um, something that just looking at the program by, but I think UCLA and Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly has really changed the image of the UCLA football program, and I do have to give him credit for that because at first it was not looking good, and honestly, I thought he'd be fired if he didn't make a bowl game at the least. But the, but to be able to challenge and still challenging for the Pac-12 South, I think it's very commendable on his part, knowing that what he did at Oregon. You know, maybe he can turn it around and do it at UCLA. That remains to be seen. But this season gives us hope that he can do that. Now, some other games that, you know, I think really surprised me or I think was, you know, really good this year, or last weekend, was Oklahoma State beating Baylor. And those two undefeated Big 12 teams that, you know, now Oklahoma State and Oklahoma are the only undefeated teams left in the Big 12. You know, they play at the end of the season for Bedlam. And I think that'll be a, a game that could decide the Big 12 going forward, but we'll see how things turn out. You know, Oklahoma beating Kansas State, still staying undefeated in the Big 12. Texas getting over the hump to beating TCU, which they haven't done that at TCU in three three tries the last three tries which is crazy that you know before last weekend's game texas was two and seven against tcu since they joined the big 12 it's just you would have never thought that that was going to be the case when tcu joined but they have been a thorn in texas's side for a long time going to the s staying in the s going to the sec auburn beating lsu I think that was a key one for Auburn just because Bo Nix was able to come back after being benched, you know, against in the Georgia State game. And he really came out and showed that, you know, I'm I'm the guy. You have um, – I think this is big for just a group of five schools in general, but Cincinnati beating Notre Dame on the road – 24 to 13. I think Cincinnati, now that they've gotten over their biggest test, now they just have to make sure that they prepare for every other team on their schedule like it's their last game. And they have to make it to where, okay, we have to play one game at a time and run the table so we have a chance at making the playoff. Because at this point, they do have a chance, in my opinion, just because a lot of the other teams from the Power Five schools, other than Alabama and Georgia, have shown, you know, kinks in their armor that, okay, they're not the team that we thought that they were. 
And if Cincinnati runs the table and they were already ranked high in the preseason, I think they have a good chance to, you know, make a three spot or make a four spot in this year's playoff. If, you know, certain things still go right, especially, you know, in the, in the, in the big 10 or if, you know, things end up going sideways in the Pac-12 or the big 12, you know, they just have a chance. And honestly, that, that's all they're asking for. Ohio State in the Big Ten has a dominating win over Rutgers, 52 to 13. I think with Michigan beating Wisconsin 38 to 17 on the road at Camp Randall, I think Michigan is a team that and this and this will be good in a in the next few weeks, but if Michigan and Michigan State run the table in the next two weeks, it'll be a undefeated matchups between Michigan and Michigan State, and I think that will be a pivotal game of who controls the Big Ten going forward in the state of Michigan for one, but who can try and, you know, take the reins from Ohio State or Penn State when they play later on in the season. I know, you know, Michigan doesn't play Iowa, but you know, if Michigan if Michigan State wins that game, hey, you might be talking about well, maybe Michigan State has a chance. Maybe they have a chance of you know beating Ohio State, beating Penn State, winning out, and, you know, possibly making the Big Ten championship. You know, a, a lot of. Well, one thing about college football is every week matters, and I feel like we're you know we're getting close to that halfway point. But there's just so much more football to be played that it's just exciting to know that man, like anything could happen to where the whole playoff picture just gets like <laughs> just wiped out. You know, that's one of the things that I'm I'm. I'm not going to say that I'm hoping for, but it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, but what if this happens? You know, what if this happens? You know, I don't think at this point we all know that no one in the ACC is going to make the playoff. You know, Big 12, there could still be a team. You know, Big 10, there's multiple teams. SEC, multiple teams that could make it. Pac-12, I think really Oregon is the only team at this point that we believe can make it. But, you know, we'll see how that goes, depending on if they can run the table convincingly and win the Pac-12 championship. And then, you know, have Cincinnati as the the best group of five team that we believe that can make the playoff. Now, heading into week six, this weekend, you know, some pivotal games. The Red River rivalry with Oklahoma and Texas. And I really believe Texas has a really good chance of winning this football game and taking control of the Big 12. You know, they had the early loss to Arkansas on the road, but I think the way that they've played as of recently has been better than Oklahoma at this point. And, you know, Texas, if Texas and if Casey Thompson can play with the poise that he's had since taking over as the starter against Rice. And if they can run the ball with B. John Robinson, watch out for Texas beating OU this weekend in the Red River rivalry. 
you know, also have Georgia and Auburn. I think Georgia is, you know, head and shoulders above Auburn. Even if JT Daniels doesn't play, I know, you know, today we're recording on a Monday. He did not throw at practice today, but I just don't see Georgia having a need for JT Daniels until, you know, maybe the Florida game. But I'm honestly just not worried at this point if he doesn't play until then. Just because their defense has just been so lights out that it's hard for opponents to score. So, And they always put their offense in good field position to where they don't have to drive the ball down the field all the time. And when when you just have it as easy as that, I think with the experience that Stetson Bennett has, you know, was the starter for most of the season last year, I just don't have any problems with, you know, Georgia against Auburn or really any team left on their slate other than maybe Florida, and that's if Florida plays a perfect game. You know, then we have LSU and Kentucky. You know, Kentucky is still undefeated in the SEC. You know, can they come off the high of beating Florida and they have LSU at home? You know, can they keep that up or – Will they, you know, possibly drop one against the Tigers? We'll see. You know, can LSU bounce back after the loss against Auburn? We'll see. Arkansas and Ole Miss. I think this is a critical game for both teams because, for one, I think whoever wins this game will be in the forefront of being the number two team in the SEC West at this point. You know, Arkansas has had the win over Texas. Ole Miss has the win over Louisville. And, you know, it'll be at Ole Miss. And I think Matt Corral can come back. And, you know, I think his Heisman case is still, you know, I think he still has a a case for the Heisman Trophy just because, you know, yeah, like you don't have a, a great of a game against Alabama, but it is Alabama. And I don't think that he'll be docked as much for not having the greatest of games. So if he can come out and play great against Arkansas, I definitely believe he'll still be in the Heisman race because, honestly, at this point in the season, it's kind of hard to really have a clear-cut, you know, Heisman favorite at this point. So I still think Matt Corral can do it. So if they can beat Arkansas at home, I still give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, Penn State in Iowa – you know, the number three and the number four team going at it, I think this will be the game of the week, to be honest, just because the stipulations, I think, you know, if Iowa loses this game, they can still make a, a the Big Ten championship. And if Penn State loses this game, they can still make the Big Ten championship. But I think what this game does is it puts whoever wins in the driver's seat to say, hey, like, we're the best team in the Big Ten. And we're the team that, you know, when people, even if one of these teams were to slip up after this game, I think whoever wins just has way so much more leeway. And, you know, with Iowa, after this game, they don't face any other ranked opponents after this one. You know, they don't have to play Ohio State. They don't have to play Michigan State. 
You know, they don't have to play Michigan. So going forward, this is their biggest game. This is their biggest resume. If they were to win this game, it would be their biggest win of the season. Whereas Penn State, you know, they win this game. They still have to play in Ohio State the week after. They still have to play Michigan. They still have to play Michigan State. So that's three more teams in the top 15 that they still have to go out and play and win to even make it to a Big Ten championship. But I think it'll say a lot about Penn State if they beat Iowa on the road. And I'm ready for that one. I'm not sure if college game day is going there, but I'm pretty sure they would have to because this game is just so big. And, I mean, maybe they go to, you know, Dallas with the Red River rivalry, but I, I, would, I would think this is the game to be at. You know, they've gone to a – they've already been at Penn State before. So this being at Iowa, just another Big Ten – you know, college game day scene, and the Big Ten usually shows up. But I can't, I can't wait. Week six is is a, is on the horizon, and I'm ready for it. I'm ready, and I hope y'all are too. But all right, then we'll wrap it up with this podcast. Please give us five star review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. I appreciate y'all hopping on and listening to me as, hey, we go through another week of college football, another week of parody, and another week of fun and despair, because a lot of despair, too. (laughs) All right, hopping off, signing off. It's Marcus Williams. Peace.